trusting God that your heart is open to receive all that God has for you today in the name of Jesus. You will not remain the same today in the name of Jesus. Those dark areas where it's just been confusing. I don't understand this marriage. I love her, but I love him, but it's not working. God will bring light in the name of Jesus. And for some of you, you will know why you haven't gotten into a relationship. You know, seven breakups in a year, eight breakups in a year. God will shed light to it this morning. So let's say a quick prayer. Father, in the name, no, I'll, I'll do the prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that your wisdom will flow this morning. Your anointing will flow this morning. Every broken heart will be healed in the name of Jesus. And wisdom will come for every single one here in the name of Jesus. To the end that we may build strong and good marriages. Marriages and homes that will give you the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So ground rules, listen for yourself. Pastor Ayo started this series last week and he gave us some ground rules. And I want to tell you, remind you, listen for yourself. So sister, brother, don't listen for your husband. Praise God. Can we do that? Can you say that, mm, pastor was talking to you. You do that thing every time. Mm -mm. Listen for yourself because you are, the real, you are the only one who can apply the word to yourself and let God change you. Number two, conversations are the keys of change in relationship. Conversations. So when this meeting finishes, call your partner, call your spouse, listen to the message together and have a conversation. Healthy conversation not pointing fingers. The conversation should be about what I learned from me and what you learned for you and how together we can become better. Okay? So we're going to talk about it and manage the conversation so we can get better. All right? So marriage, really, what is marriage? Marriage is seen in the book of Genesis. Marriage really is the journey to becoming one. In the book of Genesis, we see Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, um, can we have that on the screen? So I can read it appropriately. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. We should all know this scripture by now. I'm talking about covenant communication in marriage. Praise God. Covenant communication in marriage. That's our topic for today. But I just want to lay some ground rules before we get into that. It says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. Praise God. Shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they shall become one flesh. So it is a becoming. It is a journey. It is a process. Marriage really is the journey of becoming one. It's not just living together. It's not just doing life together. It is that two of us are journeying to become one. And you have to understand it, that marriage was created by God. So God has the final say. And I'm going to tabernacle here for a bit. Marriage was not created by social media. I understand that we have a lot of social media active people in Nigeria and in this church. Marriage was not created by Twitter. Marriage was not created by Instagram. Marriage was not created by that celebrity. Praise God. There is no popular opinion on marriage. And I dare say to you that your opinion on marriage is not the way marriage should be done. Just because you feel a certain way or you think a certain way or it just flows with you in a certain way doesn't mean it's the right way. The right way to do marriage is the way that God has said to do marriage, period. Now, if it is God, then I tell you it's not going to be easy on your flesh. Marriage is not for convenience. 
God did not give you marriage to make you convenient. He gave you marriage that you may grow and that you may become one. So a lot of times people get into marriage thinking that it's all going to be roses and, you know, a lot of, you know, somebody washing my clothes, a lot of somebody giving me all the sex, and they forget that, listen, it is not for your convenience, it's for your growth, it's for your change. If God gives you a gift, God is going to give you a gift to change you first before he changes anything. So let's lay this down. Let's lay this down. Marriage is not for your convenience. Marriage is not done by your own ideologies. There are so many thoughts flying around. So many thoughts flying. I mean, everybody is a relationship counselor. Praise God. It's the moving business. Amen. And everybody has something to say. Plus, the one that hasn't done one week in marriage. Amen. Or the one that just has three husbands or five, five wives. And I, they'll say, I tell you from experience, guard your own space. Keep your own heart. Praise God. And they keep saying stuff that sounds sensible but foolish in the sight of the word of God. So I want us to agree today and I want you to make this, you know, put this in your heart. Marriage is based on the principle of God's word. He created marriage. He knows what it is and he knows how you will do the best, get your best from it. He says, and therefore God said, man shall leave his father and mother. The first thing is you have to leave something, leave somewhere, leave your ideologies, leave your familiar background, leave the thoughts that you have grown with all your life. Leave the fact that daddy does it this way and mommy does it this way. Leave the fact that this is how I have seen it being done. You have to leave. That separation is not just a physical one. Because your husband is not your daddy, sir. And your wife is not your mommy, sir. Amen? I'm just going to chip this in, you know. My husband told this story. Pastor told this story. Um, I'm so blessed. I'm married to a pastor. Um, so... My husband said this story, I think it was last week, or I think sometime down the line, where, you know, I told my husband, oh, we have to get a washing machine. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Like, to me, do you get? Like, I can't be washing now. Like, seriously. And I'm like, ah. And my husband said, no. My mother will carry my father's clothes and back the basin and be washing it, and they'll be singing. I'm like, Jesus. But you see, that wasn't wrong. And my ideology wasn't wrong. But you see, both of us have to leave to do what? Cleave. As simple as that ideology was, if he puts that ideology, stamped it on our marriage, then there'll be a problem. Then I'll be his mother all over again. Amen. So young men, young women, you are especially the men, the way my mother cooked the ogono soup, he must draw. Praise God. Or some of you men that you, every Saturday you just go to your mommy's house and collect one big bowl of soup. Praise God. You have married her. She cannot cook. You will work together to help her become a cook. So you have to understand that it starts from leaving ideologically, physically. Amen. There must be a physical separation. I was telling my husband last week. You know, he, he said this physical separation last week. And I said, that, ah, can you imagine? You know, my dad, my dad had a big house. And he had, in the house, there are like um, four flats apart from the main house. So, uh, of course, you know, the four flats is very big, three bed. And I said, imagine if we're still, you know, we just said, ah, there's no money. Oh, and seriously, there was no money. Seriously, there was no money. As in, I'm, I'm a woman of faith. Praise God. There was no money. I said, ah, let's just go and, you know, fetch my 
Praise God. I said, gosh, I won't be normal. We won't be normal by now. My mother will just be calling me. Tell your husband to go and remove the chicken in the fridge. <laughs> and you know mothers, oh, my mother is precious. But she's so troublesome. But she loves me. I said, oh, mom, this marriage for that scatter. My husband will say, me, a man. But you see, you have to leave. And I need you to understand that. That when you come into a marriage union, you see both of you, your husband is the head, you are the wife, and both of you need to chart your own path. So marriage, I wrote here, is the journey. It's not a destination. It's a journey. It's a lifelong journey of two of you becoming one. So what is the goal of marriage? Becoming one. That is the goal. I want you to see that. That is the goal. Whatever we are doing. So in parenting, in new jobs, in moving houses, in traveling out of the country, in saying I'm going to go and get a paper, wait for me for 22 years, whatever it is, the goal is what? Becoming one. So whatever comes in, that thing must be focused at the goal post, which is what? Becoming one. So your children shouldn't come and tear you apart. Do you understand? A job should not come and tear you apart. A church should not come and tear you apart. The goal of marriage is becoming one. And that word um, cleave is a covenant term. Now, pastor said this last week, and I'm just going to throw in the same line, where he said um, he's going to dedicate a great portion of marriage to talk about the term covenant. Covenant. He said, pastor said something last week, which I totally agree with, that if people understand covenant, what covenant is, and um, how important it is in marriage. 90% of your problems in marriage will be solved. The remaining 10, you will just be figuring it out. All right? So the covenant, marriage is a covenant, and it's not a contract. Marriage has the elements of a contract in it, but it is not a contract. It is a what? Covenant. And the anchor scripture that pastor used last week, I'm going to use it as well, before I get into covenant communication. You see, these things, we need to hear them over and over again so that we can keep adjusting. When the word of God comes to you, change and adjust. Malachi chapter 2, verse 13. I'm reading from King James. And this ye have done again, covering the altar of God with tears, with weeping and with crying out, insomuch that he regarded not the offering, your offering anymore, or received it with goodwill at your hand. What's going on here? They're crying, they're weeping, their life isn't working. God is not in favor. The Bible says God is rejecting their offerings. What is this big deal? Yet ye say, verse 14, yet ye say, wherefore, why? Because the Lord has been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously. You have dealt out treacherously. Yet she is your companion and the wife of your what? So she is the wife of your covenant. Marriage, if I can get this into your soul today, I have done a good job. Marriage is not a contract. Marriage is not a convenience. Marriage is a covenant. And you see, your life can go downhill if you don't treat marriage right. Because it is what? A covenant. Let's keep reading. Verse 15 says, And did, he, did not he make one? Did not he make one? Yet he had the residue of the spirit. And wherefore one, why one, that he might seek a godly seed? Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against his wife of his youth. Verse 16, for the Lord, the God of Israel. I mean, for him to say his full name. Praise God. For the Lord, the God of Israel, said that he hated putting away. 
For one covereth violence with his garment, says the Lord. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you deal not treacherously. And I need you to see this. If you can just see this, your marriage is a covenant. It is not a contract. It is not a convenience. It's not a thing of fun. It is a covenant. And your covenant witness is who? God. That means he's watching over it. Your pastor is not your covenant witness. The priest is not your covenant witness. The person that where you signed the documents is not your covenant witness. God sits and watches over marriage. Meaning that if there were different departments in heaven, department of um, you know, children, department of jobs, department of prosperity, department of marriage, the person who sits on it directly is who? God. Now, what are the elements of a covenant? Um, Pastor Ayer gave us some, but I want to give just three before I start my main message. Number one, in a covenant, that's the difference between the covenant and the contract. In a covenant, you enter because there's trust. Now, when you want to sign a contract, you enter because there's no trust. I don't trust what this girl is going to do. I don't trust if this company has my best interest. So you want to do something with a new co company, you sign a contract. But in marriage, you enter because you trust that this woman or this man has got your back. You trust that this person is doing you good. Praise God. So you enter with full trust. And because there is full trust, there is no hiding away. There is no keeping away. There is no hiding anything. Because we enter it with our full chest, with full trust. All right? We got, but a contract, you enter because there is no trust. Number two, I want you to hear this. You enter a covenant to cover the weaknesses of the other person. Now, this happens a lot, especially in a generation. this generation. You see what you don't like, and then you open it out to the world. In marriage, in the covenant, the major reason you enter a covenant is that you see a person, you see the person's strengths and weaknesses, and you see yourself, and you see your own strengths and weaknesses, and you know that my strength can cover his weakness. So the reason you are entering the covenant is to be aware, fully aware, that this person has weaknesses, and I'm going to cover it with my strengths. And the person is doing the exact same for you. So you don't go into a marriage saying that, oh, somebody is perfect. There's nobody that is perfect. If we take a poll here, nobody will pass. No one here is perfect. And I don't stand saying this because I'm perfect or my marriage is perfect. But my marriage is on a journey. It's progressing. It doesn't have to be perfect. But we are making good progress towards perfection. That's when Jesus will come. Amen. <laughs> so it's not like one, 20 years time. So you see, when you enter that marriage... You have to know that this person has weaknesses. And my job is not to expose them. My job is not to force them to change. My job is not to hound them or nag them to change their weaknesses. I see your weakness and I will come in to cover your weakness. That means my strength will become your strength. Do you understand? You are going in with something. So you can't go into marriage empty. And I can tell you something for free. Beauty doesn't cover any weakness. So you can't say all I'm bringing into this marriage is I'm very beautiful and I'm very good on the bed. Brothers and sisters, that is not, you're not covering anything. So you have to have something. You have to have something. You have to have a character. You have to have something you're standing on that you can beat your chest that if I enter this man's life, this man's life will be better. You have to be sure. You are going there, sir. Not that, oh, you have a cook and a maid now. You are going there that I have married this woman. Because this woman has become my woman, she will get to where God has sent her to be. I know that she's a very lazy girl. I know that she doesn't really like work. But I am going to cover her 
Not push her, not force her, because I'm going to say this, the only change agent in this world is called the Holy Spirit. And honey, you are not the Holy Spirit. You are a spirit, but not the Holy Spirit. Amen. So when somebody is coming into your life, or when you are going into someone's life, have this mindset, what do I have to give? Is he only figure eight? Because right now, it seems that all women, all some women want to give is that, I'm fine. I've got shape. And all some men think they have to give is money. Hello? One of the things that changed my mind the most about money was when my husband told me that, you see, gold is what everybody is running for on earth, but in heaven is what we use to match ground. Meaning that in heaven, money is the cheapest thing that God can give you. You don't need to believe. You just go and remove one tile and say, Thank you. don't worry, Lord. Take your prosperity and bring it down to earth. Money is not everything. Money is good, but it's not everything. And I tell people, I tell people, and I'm going to bear my heart to you. See, sometimes eh, the reason why the money hasn't come is because the money will destroy you. I have seen marriages that it is money that caused the problem. When we were both hustling and broken, praise God, and we were just getting barely enough, and you know God will give us small breakthrough, we can quickly buy one small car, we can quickly pay our rent, we are okay. But the moment the money came, and wore jacket with face cap. And red suit. Imagine me wearing a red hat, red suit, red, red heels. And it comes in. That you have, you have done all your bills. You have done all your father's bills. You have done all your mother's bills. And the money is still plenty. That's when the woman will remember. The man will remember. Hmm. Like Solomon. Praise God. Sometimes the money hasn't come because you cannot be trusted. Not because God doesn't want to give you. It's because he doesn't want to destroy you. And he will keep you in that barely enough zone till you get it that the word of God has to change you first. Praise God. So a contract, in a contract, you enter because you want to enjoy the strength of the other party. A contract is solely to enjoy the strength. If I say I want to do this contract with this person, you first thing you say is what am I going to get out of it? That's what you're going to say. What, are, what do you have to offer me? That's what a contract is. But in a covenant, you're coming in to say, I have such and such to offer you where you don't have the strength. So when you get into a marriage and you see the weaknesses of your spouse, don't complain, don't fret, don't fight. Nobody is perfect. You're going to walk hand in hand with God, the Holy Spirit. How do I help this man achieve all he wants to? How do I help my wife achieve? And I, I, I can boastfully say this. The woman that I am today, it is very, very superly tied to my marriage. Praise God. God gave me a good man. I'm not here to psych anybody. Pastor has warned me I should not give any example of our marriage. Praise God. But I'll just show you in a bit. I know me before. And I know me now. And me steps out of me to say, wow. <laughs> you are doing well. Was I a Christian before? Yes. Was I loving, was I loving God before? Yes. But you see, when someone comes into your life to be a blessing to you, Ah. Praise God. Please, no all moments. Let's be serious. But sincerely, the woman I am today and the, the woman I am proud to be today is solely because I married someone who has invested his life in making me become better. And I'm saying that to challenge you husbands. Don't be selfish. The tendency for men to be selfish is too high. 
Listen, if you and your wife are on the same wavelength, you would achieve more. Praise God. If your wife knows what you know, if she understands what you know, if she can do what you can do because you've poured yourself into her, you will have a more peaceful life. Praise God. So pour into your woman. Men here, please listen. Don't be selfish saying, I have to make the paper. I have to make the money. I have to make the paper. I have to make the money. Pour into your wife. When she's weak, help her. When she needs sight, teach her. You are not there to just provide money. You are there to be a leader. And I tell people what leadership is in Africa is not, not what it means in real life. Leadership in Africa is, oh, you go, get out from here. Go there, I will sack you. Leadership here is boss man. But real leadership is to replace yourself. Teach that person. Lead that person to the best version comes out so you can actually take a break. That's leadership. I don't want to be the boss of my company for 20 years. I will die early. I make all the decisions. I'm the one counting all the money. The finance is running to me. I'm the one that is doing marketing because I have the strength. I have the power. I have. You will die early. And this is why men actually have a shorter life expectancy rate. Is that the, what they call it? It's the reason. So I'm going to give you a tip. Invest in your woman. Lead. By love. By example. By teaching. How many of you men have teaching moments with your wife? You don't have to be a pastor, sir. You're, and you know we women, we are amazing. Praise God. Ah, may emotion not finish us in Jesus' name. We are going to have deliverance session for emotions. But we can't because God gave us. So we have to live with it. We women, I just want to, I just feel like, I don't know why she's not. Every time, we are the one that is emotional about something. Praise God. Something is wrong. You react emotionally. I can't do it. You will sit your wife down and tell her, honey, the right thing to do is to do it, man. Because you have to become better, man. Not that she will just be going up. I said, that's just how I am. You know, one thing I love about women, when we are angry, I hope I get it. I have to get it to my message. When we are angry, we'll not start shouting and crying. I said, don't talk to me. When the man now gets angry, we'll not say, but you should correct me now. Can't you just tell me that I'm shouting? We are very amazing. I didn't really mean it. But when he now does his own, you know, we'll take it seriously. Men in this place, it is your God-given right as the head. The definition of head is this. That you will train and lead your wife in the direction for to make her, her shine. So you will sit with her and teach. You will sit and show. You will send her encouraging messages. You will bring her up so that she can shine in what you have called her to do. And women, don't be stubborn. Your husband is your husband. He is not your friend. I keep telling people, hey God, I hope I enter my message. Wife is a position. In a company, there's CEO, there's CFO, there's COO. In this company of marriage, you are wife. Meaning that is a position and you have a boss. Default. We are equal, but we are not equally positioned. We are equal human beings, equal children of God. But in our position, Oga, Madam, is your senior. So no matter, I don't care whether you are five years older. I don't care whether you are the one bringing the money. I don't care if you are, it's your father that sponsored the marriage. I don't care if, what else? Because women, we can bring different things to the table. I don't care if you went to Harvard. The moment you entered marriage, you took second position for life. Praise God. Praise God. 
So you will humble yourself and sit down in second position. Bam. Praise God. And you will be corrected. You will be led. Don't talk to me that way. Even my father doesn't talk to me that way. Who are you? What do you have? Please, 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 please. You know, neck twisting. Always breaking. I was talking communication today. Your tone is so important. I'm coming and I'm coming. You know, there are two different words. I'm coming, dear. Don't worry. Your husband is calling. Please, can you come? I'm coming. I'm coming. And then you say that my husband is not, I don't know why he's always hungry. My husband is just a, he's just an angry man. Before you met him, he was not like that. You are the chain, you are the cause. You are the cause. Let's be sincere. Yes, so there's a place where you have angry men. And they are working on themselves. Praise God. Praise God. I'm not, ex I'm not taking that out. But Pastor told us something phenomenal last week. Don't make the excess now become the normal. The normal will be the normal. And leave the excess to be the excess. Praise God. Let's be serious. Let's be serious. So in a covenant, you enter to cover your partner's weakness. Praise God. And the last one I'm going to take there, I have so many, so many points, but I'll take this one. In a contract, it doesn't require so much maturity. You don't need to be mature on so many levels. You just need to be good at one thing. So if I'm a project designer or a project a event planner, I just have to be good at planning events. And then they can give me the job. And I'll tell them, this is what I can do, to you, do for, your, for your wedding, for your event. You just need to be good in one area to enter into a contract with anybody. But in marriage, not so. Not so. In a marriage, you must be mature spiritually, financially, mentally, I dare say emotionally, socially. There's one song I used to sing when I was small, and this is it. Um, spiritually, mentally, academically, economically, social, physically. Oh, devil, I see near you. <laughs> you know that song? Devil, I see near you. Spiritually, mentally, academically, economically, social, physically. That thing took me a while to cram. But this is the point. All that lily, 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 go and be mature in it. You need to be mature spiritually. A spiritual babe does not need marriage. That marriage will crush you. Marriage is a heavy load, though. And it is heavy to change you. So when you don't have the spiritual strength, you will crush. Number two, you have to be financially mature. That doesn't mean you have to have all the money, but you must be able to make money, manage money, save money. Even if it is 100 naira, you must be able to make it. You must be able to manage it. You must be able to, um, there's three M's, what are the three M's? There are five M's. Multiply it. You must be. No, and we're not talking about the scale. If you are doing it in millions, in billions, great. If you are doing it in hundreds, hundreds of thousands, great. If you are doing it in tens of thousands, great. Praise God. But you must be able to make, manage, and multiply. If you don't have a source, or you can't create a source, or you cannot manage, don't marry. Can you hear me? Number three, you have to be mentally and emotionally stable. You have to understand who you are. You must be aware of what you want. Your happiness is not on anybody. Your happiness is first in Christ. Single ladies, single men. Your, your happiness and your confidence must stem out of Christ. And then when you get married, your God and your partner will begin to share it. But first, you must be mature. You must know yourself. If you don't know yourself, you can't give the best of yourself. Know your weaknesses. I'm so aware of my weaknesses. 
I mean, one of the greatest things that God has done for this lady standing here is that uh, he has given me the gift of awareness. I know when I'm stepping the line. I know when I'm becoming cranky. I know when I'm not nice. I know when money is getting to me. I know when I'm not in faith. And I know when I come to church, I say, whoa. Mm. You have to be aware. Emotional strength and stability. Know yourself. Know your strengths. Walk around your weaknesses. But you must know yourself. Number three, number um, fourth in there is you must be socially mature and you must be physically mature. Physical is, is, is it makes sense. A child doesn't get married. A 15-year-old is not physically matured. Praise God. Even some 18-year-olds too, they're not so matured. Praise God. So you can't marry someone who is so young. Praise God. All right, are we good? So that's it about covenants. And you have to understand that marriage is a covenant. And you have to treat it as such. Because God is the covenant witness over your marriage. Now let's move into co communication in marriage. Covenant communication in marriage. And I'm going to give us quickly, before we even get to how to communicate, is standards for successful communication. I can tell you how to communicate, but if you don't know the standards, we, the how will be messed up. Number one standard in um, covenant communication is, number one, you have to care for the other person. Your partner can be using all the right communication tools. If you don't care for your partner, there's no communication. So these are like foundations. These are standards. You must care. It must show in your emotion, in your tone, the way you talk, the way you relate with your partner, that you do what you care. Somebody quickly open um, Ephesians for me on the screen. Can we get the book of Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse uh, 32. Let me open that from the Amplified. Can I have the KJV on the screen? Ephesians chapter 4. I hope we're getting this. Okay. And be ye kind to one another. The Bible is a, a book of instructions and um, how-tos for the believer. He says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. You see that word there? Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. He says, what? Be tender-hearted. So before you even start any communication with anybody, you have to be what? Kind. Somebody say kind. There are a lot of unkind men out there. And I can see you by the Spirit. If I look at you, then you know it's you. <laughs> there are a lot of men who are not kind towards their wives. He says, be tender-hearted. Do you know what it means to be tender-hearted? It means to be tender-hearted. Ephesians says, let me quickly read this, uh, verse 32. It says, um, the Amplified Classic, pardon me. It says, become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Be tender-hearted, be compassionate, be understanding, be loving-hearted. So the first way to even, the first standard that you need, standard, SI unit is what's be kind, be caring. Praise God. Let everything you do, let everything you say, let it seep, I care. There are some women here, your tongue is harsh, your body language is harsh. You don't feel, the man doesn't feel like you care for him. And this is one of the major things that drive people out of their marriage. Another thing, number two, is praise each other. Make your marriage a no-negativity zone. No need for sarcasm and criticism in marriage. I have never met one person who went back to someone who was critical about them consistently. You go on a date, and the guy sees you, and the person says, mm, your, hair is, your hair is not nice. 
What kind of dress is this? Can't you dress nice? Women, will you go back on that date? Except you have foundational issues. <laughs> or a guy, the girl is telling you, ah, you're not really my standard. You're not really my standard. I'll just manage you. Abby, will you go back? But then we get married and we do this over and over again to our spouses. You keep criticizing. You keep telling him, why are you like this? You keep telling him, why are you so dirty? Why can't you just clean the house for crying out loud? Why are you so lazy? All your mates are cooking rice and this thing. You are cooking indomie for me. Do you want to kill me? Yeah, hallelujah. You are talking nasty. You are talking rough. You are being critical. You are being sarcasm. And you know women, we can be passive-aggressive. Passive ah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> husband, husband. <laughs> so you to your husband. <laughs> I hear you. Husband of life. So you think, so you think, you think when they are doing a uh, rock of husband, you think you stand? <laughs> oh, you're too funny, Jerry. Leave me. Husband, call head of the omni. Woman, in communication, your marriage must be full of praises. No negativity zone. No sarcasm. There is no award for it. You see, by your words, something blossoms. By your words, something dies. And it has been proven that the number one factor for divorce in marriage is criticism. Not no sex, not no money, not no house, not no job. The number one predictor that if we see this in this marriage, we can tell you it might take five years, it might take 10 years, it might take two months, but this marriage will break is criticism. So you have to make up your mind. These are the standards for successful communication. Before we get into how to communicate, you need to know this. No criticism. I wrote here that set a discipline of praising each other. Set a discipline. Set it. Every good man wants a positive woman. Every good woman wants a positive man. Complimenting is how you fell in love. When you were toasting each other, oh, your voice is so lovely. I like the way you dress. That's how you fell in love. How do you stay in love? It's by your words. And I wrote here, very important, as high as you want your marriage to go, your words, your mouth has to get there first. As high as you want your marriage to go, your mouth has to get there first. And one of the keys to building intimacy, some people say, I'm not attracted to my wife. I'm not attracted to my husband. You haven't used your words. You've been using your words to fight. I say, you will not do it. I'm going to show you. You are. You are cheating on me. I know it. The day I will catch you, I will embarrass you in this life. Your words are killing the marriage. Baby, I trust you. You're a faithful man. Out of all the men that are out there, I got myself a loyal one. Praise God. You see how it's easy in my mouth? Because I used to say it. Go and say it in your own marriage. Don't be saying hey for me. Praise God. Wake up in the morning and say nice things. Listen, I know there are troubles. See, I'm in this I've been in this marriage almost 10 years now. And I know that trouble plenty. Problem, no they finish. I dated my husband for how many years? Six years. Ha! Praise God. PhD. So it's not that I'm, I'm not newly married. This is not shocking me, my belly. But praise God, it's shocking me, my belly. Because you have to keep at it. 
The way to make your marriage feel young every time is using your words. Hey, baby. Hey, king. How are you? I can't wait to see you. I miss you. Baby, come home now. Not, are you the only one working in the office? Even your boss self will close early. Uh-uh. You leave me here in this, this morning with the children. Don't you know that I need help? I don't, baby, please come home. I miss you. Baby, I'm serious now. I miss you. Okay, what do you want me to cook for you? You are going to come back late today. Okay, don't worry. I promise I'll cook your best meal for you. Just come home. I just want you. Oh, you are tired. Oh, yeah, come. Let me pet your head. Some people are falling in love. But I'm going to use it for your marriage. Flog you now. The intimacy you are looking for in your marriage is where? Here. It's in your mouth. Don't go and look for another girl outside. They say she makes me feel young. <laughs> Praise God. Don't let me say young key, you there. Is in your mouth. In your mouth. Use your mouth. Intimacy is in your mouth. Praise God. So praise is not because there are no issues. Praise is not because your partner is perfect. Praise is because you want your marriage to get to a height and you use your words. Praise God. There are so many scriptures about that. He said, I put before you life and death. Choose by your words. So, so, so many issues. So many scriptures. Praise God. Number three standard. Remember, we're just talking about standards. The first thing I've mentioned here is what? Care for them. Let it show. Be tender. Number two, praise. No negativity zone. Praise God. Number three is be truthful. Ha! Now, I'm not saying be brutal. There's a difference between being brutally tongued and being truthful. Being truthful is simple. Don't lie. Stop lying. Baby, where are you? Oh, I'm at the office. You are not at the office. Let's look at the Bible. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. Some of you can lie for Africa. And I think it's been ingrained, ingrained into some men that you cannot tell your wife the truth. A woman must not know everything. No. How is your work going? How, only how is the business? Business has almost died. It's fine. We are making it. We are pushing it. Oh, we are giving yourself stress. Proverbs 3.3. Is it on the screen? Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about your neck. Write them on the tables of your heart. I want to read it from the, there was a scripture, there's a portion I wanted to bring it out. Amplified. It says, let not mercy and kindness shutting out all hatred and selfishness and truth. It says, truth being shutting out all deliberate hypocrisy and falsehood. Forsake you. Forsake he says, uh, and truth, let it forsake you. Bind them about your neck and write them on the tables of your heart. Stop lying. Everything you say must be the truth. What is going on in your life? Say the truth. Praise God. Don't let them say, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine is not the truth. Baby, I'm having some challenges in my health. My emotions are being worked up right now. I don't, I don't feel safe at my job place. I don't feel like this marriage is what I wanted. Say the truth. Praise God. Don't say the things that are not true. What happens is that he always shows. Stop lying. He always shows. He will show in your body language. He will show somewhere. So use this tongue to say the truth. Praise God. Number four is faith. Someone say faith. 
You might wonder, how does faith help my communication in marriage? It helps a big deal. Have faith in God that God will change your partner. I wrote here, say what you have to say, but, uh, but remember and understand that God is the enforcer. This would remove nagging from our communication. This will remove a lot of repeated speech. When we come to the understanding and we put it to heart that I cannot change Mr. X, Mr. I cannot change my wife. You will say what you have to say and you leave it unto God that Lord, I have faith. Help me help my husband in this area. Have faith that God will lead your partner aright. That God will change your partner's life. Praise God. The Bible says the woman should have a gentle and a quiet spirit. That is not weakness. That is a woman of faith. Knowing that you're, you know the Bible says that a man would rather live in a rooftop than to stay in the house with a nagging woman. So your words are not going to change him. Somebody said that these ears for men are decoration. I agree partially. Praise God. The external ears don't what they used to hear. It's the internal one. So you can complain all you want. If he doesn't get the change from within, he's not going to change. So you must have faith. And that's why you must be a believer. You must have faith that God will speak to him. I will say what I can say, but God will change his life. Number five, finally, is surrender. These are the standards. Number five, what? Surrender. Surrender your life to God. Surrender your mouth to God. Let God use your mouth to build your spouse. I'm talking about this mouth a lot because a lot of good in marriage and bad in marriage comes from the mouth. Surrender your mouth to God. Lift up your mouth and say, God, I surrender my mouth to you. I will use my mouth to build my marriage. I will use my mouth to build my man. I will use my mouth to build my wife. I will use my mouth to build my kids. I will not use my mouth against my own. Praise God. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. Let's quickly turn there. Matthew. Are we there? Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. Are we there? But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. So know this, every word that you speak that doesn't make sense, that is not adding value, you will account for it. So you have to surrender your words to God. Surrender your what? Mouth to God. Don't justify meanness. Don't justify evil that is coming out of your mouth. All right? Declare and say, my mouth belongs to God. All right, so those are five quick standards that we will use for successful communication. Praise God. My timer is out. Please, I'd like to know what time, how much time I have left. Um, so please turn on the screen. All right, so communication, I'm going to give us practical tools. Everyone who is married knows that communication is the lifeblood of marriage. The same way blood is to the body is the same way communication is to marriage. You cannot have a good marriage if you don't communicate. Praise God. And we're going to be giving you covenant tool, covenant, practical covenant tools on how to build a strong marriage. I'm going to start from this scripture, James chapter 1, verse 19. Uh, let me get that right. James, yes, I think it's the book of James, yes. Yep, James chapter 1, verse 19. I'm going to have to read from different translations. So on the screen, it says, Therefore, be my beloved brethren, this, this is the Bible way, Bible model of communication. This is how God wants us to communicate. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be, let's read it together, let every man be one to go. 
Let's read it again. Swift to hear. So this is the formula, meaning that you must be swift to hear. I want to try to open that um, from the amplified version um, so that we can see it in a much better light. Let's quickly see the amplified version. Okay, I, I read it here. It says, understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone to be quick to hear. That means be, be a careful and thoughtful listener. Okay? Slow to speak and slow to become angry. So the, the mandate, the, the way, the formula for good communication is found here. Be slow to hear. Be slow. Someone say be slow to hear. To be slow to hear. Because communication impacts everything in your marriage. Some of us here to reply. You must be slow to hear. And the Amplified Bible says, be slow to understand. Be a thoughtful listener. Okay? So communication is the key to success. It's one of the major keys to success in marriage. And we are all wired differently, and that's the truth. It's very amazing how that opposites are always attracted and joined. One person processes out loud, another person processes internally. Praise God. I think in my family, my husband is the one who processes inside, and I process as, as I'm talking. I mean, my thoughts are on my lips. Praise God. Some think carefully before they speak, and others can't think before, others can't think without speaking. So my thinking is easiest for me when I'm talking. But my husband's thinking is inside his mind. I mean, the whole thing is well organized in his mind. In my mind, it's all modeled up. But you see, we are different. We're not going to change each other, but we're going to understand each other. Do you understand? I'm not saying thinking in your mind is wrong or thinking out loud is wrong. Because some men will say, mm -hmm, my wife, she doesn't think before she talks. That's not it. The, the, what I'm trying to get you to see is that we are different. And because we are different, we have to understand each other intentionally. All right? Some might be thinkers. Some might be feelers. Some might share in details. And some might just share in highlights. How was your day? It was good. Thank you. And they feel like they've done the right thing. And that's them. But some people, you cannot ask them, how was your day? Ah, baby. Hey, the moment I woke up, first one head kissed me like this. Bam. Then those children. Those your children. My, my, my husband saying that is you. Praise God. I say everything. But my husband is just in the details. Baby, how was the meeting? We bless God. No, don't bless God. Tell me everything. Who came? How many people? What do you preach? Did anybody fall under the power? Tell me everything. That's me. So you see, we are different. And you have to acknowledge the fact, where we get better communication, how we can communicate better, is to acknowledge the fact that we are different. Acknowledge it. Your wife is not you. Your husband is not you. And your husband will never become you. Praise God. So understand that my wife enjoys it when I give the details. So you will go out of your shell to give. My husband just wants the highlights. So you do your best not to talk too much. But we're going to get to a common ground where we can communicate better. Remember that we are, our watch scripture is this. That everyone should be swift to hear. Listen and listen well. Slow to speak and slow to wrath. Praise God. So this is the model. This is the biblical model and the practical way for us to communicate. All right? Now, the word slow to speak doesn't mean you shouldn't speak. It doesn't mean you should shut down. It only means that you should take a pause before you speak. It only means that you should understand before you speak. It only means that you should understand and for a moment think about what they're saying, feel what they're saying, understand them. All right? And I'm going to get this... Um, Get this across to us in a, in a very, very um, clear way um, as time, as we have just very limited time. 
All right, so it's, I said here, in marriage, you must listen twice than we talk. To have good communication in marriage, you must be committed to breaking bad habits, to breaking self-habits, and making new habits. Communication is hard work, and you need to understand that. But when you communicate well, communication is one of the greatest ways to bond in marriage. It's the, one of the greatest ways, better than food, better than sex, better than money. Communication is one of the best ways for you to bond in marriage. And effective communication is two ways. You must listen and you must talk. Praise God. Now, there are different levels of communication. I'm going to run through this. There's the less, lowest level where a lot of marriages are today. The lowest level is, number one, talking about everything else. For example, APC, we have how many presidential candidates now? Like 250. <laughs> That's an exaggeration. But I, I think it's more than 20, Sha. So you guys are just saying, ah, do you know what's happening on Linda Ikeji? Oh my God, these people. Or you see somebody outside and you're gossiping somebody. Hmm, Mr. Lagbaja's shoe. Mr. Lagbaja, do you understand? You're talking about everything, but it's everything outside. Nothing comes home. And a lot of couples are here. Praise God. We talk about everything. And I tell people when I take communication classes that you have to understand that to have effective communication that will bring you closer, you have to talk about us feelings. I'm going to get there. Number two level is that we share ideas and opinion. Maybe what do you think about this? I want to start this business. It's still not us. It's still something, but it's something that matters to us. The first one is talking about whatever doesn't matter. Anything. You must have that, but that's the lowest level. The second level is talking about what matters to us. So I want to start a business. I say, oh baby, I want to start this business. What do you think? I want to start selling chicken. I want to start selling goats. What do you think? And then he chips in. You can do it this way. You can do it that way. Okay, what do you think I should do concerning this person and my job? But you see, that is still not the one that changes you. The highest level is the third one, where you communicate and you share your emotions. This is the deepest level, creating that, creators, that, that creates <laughs> the strongest connection. I'm rushing. I don't do well under pressure. That's one of my challenges. So I'm looking at the time, and the time is looking at me, and I'm like, oh my God, my notes is still full, but I'll get there. Praise God. So one of the deepest ways is you share your emotion. I was hurt by what you said, baby, yesterday. I felt you could have, we could have handled this a bit better. When you stand to understand the person, your job is to understand your pa partner. And I wrote here, one of the things, one of the ways how to listen and how to communicate well is you must learn to empathize with your partner. You see, I was telling somebody yesterday, just because it doesn't matter to you, doesn't mean it doesn't matter to your partner. So I gave an example. I was talking to them yesterday. My husband is, based on his temperament, based on how he is, he likes everything neat, organized, in the one position. I mean, my husband can change his shirt if there's a small dot on it that is noticeable to nobody, only angels. But that is how he is. Praise God. If there's stew on my chest like this, I will go out. I was, ah. The food was sweet now. If anybody should be saying, ah, man, I asked for Ogbono, it was sweet, man. That's me. But now, imagine if I'm eating Ogbono and I spill not just a small dot on his maybe collar. No, 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 collar. Maybe what they call this thing? Cuffs. And it's very not noticeable. And he gets upset about it. Because it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter to him. So what people will say is, ah, you are just like, why are you like this? Why you are just, you just tight the wall to your chest. It's, this thing is not a big deal. And that's what most of us do. Because it's not a big deal to you, doesn't mean it's not a big deal to him. So in communication, and this is the strongest level, you must empathize with them. Baby, oh, it's, I'm sorry. You first apologize. I'm sorry. Okay, how can we make this work? Do you want to change your shirt? 
or okay, you know what? Let me give you a jacket. Or you know what? Fix it for them. Or listen to them. Or just understand that it's a big deal. Don't throw it away. Praise God. So empathize with them. Take and recognize the person's perspective. This is the deep level of communication. So if your wife comes and says, baby, I think I was hurt by the way, you know, you said this. You're always hot. Always hurting. Which day will you not be hot? Tell me. This small thing that I did. This small, this small. <laughs> Don't let me use something that is bad. This small thing. Ah, no, no, wow, no. What have you done? You have pushed the person away. That person now knows I cannot trust you with my deepest feelings. So you're in communication, your deepest goal to, should be, I want to be able to communicate my deepest feelings to my partner. And you will find out, Sazama, I'm into counseling. And I've been doing this for quite a long time. For a minimum of, I think, it can't be less than 10 years. It's more than 10 years. It was while I was in 300 medical school that counseling came into my heart. And that's years ago. One of the things you'll find out is that a lot of people don't connect on this level. Mama Chidi, Mama Chukudi. And they can talk about everything. Papa Emeka, no food. Papa Emeka, no light. Praise God. Wait till you go chop. Are you ready? Should I come on the bed? <laughs> Praise God. And you find out that everything is everything else but you. So you can't find a woman who can tell her husband, you know, I'm not really happy with this phase of my life. I feel I or men, I feel I should be doing more. I feel I should be doing more. There's more to my life than this. And it saddens me. The woman will say, oh, now you stop waiting to be more. Me, I'm okay. No. You have to. And I'm saying this because I want you to get there in your marriage. Be vulnerable. Open. I tell people that I counsel every time. Every week, at least once a week, have these conversations that we share deep things. Have a meeting, yes. Go out, sit down and talk about it. Baby, what's, what's really... You know what's going on with you? Tell me. What's going on in your mind? I do it to my husband every time. Are you happy? I'm always happy. Are you happy? Baby, are you okay? You know you can't talk to me. And there are sometimes you hear things like, ha, even your own chest is heavy. <laughs> but you will not show it down. You say, hmm, all right. I understand how you feel. Well, praise God. Why? Because you want them to be able to share with you. Some women here, your husbands are hooked on pornography. Let me tell you, and let me tell you well, but they can't tell you. Because if I say, Jesus, hey, I thought you were a Christian. I'm going to tell pastor. That's the first thing you say. Some of you, your, your husband has, your wife has been following one man in her dreams. Every night, she's not seeing that man. Every night in my dreams, I see you. And it's not your husband. But if your wife should tell you, if she, she mistakenly mentioned to you, you would say, you are a... They are here. Those men are here. I see them. I see them. My nose is looking at you. <laughs> you say you are a carnal woman. All these wives of this generation, she cannot bear her heart out to you. You will take her to be a woman of Belial. You will take her to be a randy woman. Praise God. Let your conversations be open and honest. Praise God. Let your heart, the heart of your partner, safely trust in you. That your man can have the worst day. He can have the worst temptation. He can have the strongest urges and it's not you. And he can come and say, babe, ah, I'm having challenges. Oh. And you'll say, baby, I understand. 
what can I do to help? The first thing you do after empathy is not that you now start professing solution, providing solution. No. What can I do to help? I think you should start following me to work every day. I beg. That girl, she's after my soul. <laughs> ah, that girl wants to kill me. Okay, I know it's not convenient for me now, but what I will do is that instead of the driver taking you, you know, we'll go together. Does that work? You see, practically, do you understand? Or just pray about it. Don't worry, I will handle this, but just pray for me. Do you understand? This is the deepest level. That's why you see so many people having best friends outside. It shouldn't be. Your soul must trust. And I'm going, if this is the last point I say, my notes are still full. I, uh, I'll share with you guys much later. There are different ways, different bad habits. I want to tell you about bad habits um, and what helps communication. But make your home a safe space for your partner. You see, the world outside there is a war zone. Don't make the home a war zone. Ladies, listen to me. Pull your ear. If you're a woman, my, please, if you're an elderly woman, don't do it. I can't determine into that. All our mommies in the house just sit pretty. Young ladies, pull your ear. Because I have respect. Make your home a safe place. Your home is not a war zone. Your husband comes into the house. He doesn't greet you. You have started. You have People like fight. Oh. He will do one thing, one small thing. You will turn it to fight. Listen, what is the goal of marriage? What is the goal of marriage? What is the goal of marriage? You are on the same team. Your husband is not your enemy. Your husband is not the problem of your life. Your husband is not your challenge. Our goal is to become one. Make your home a safe space. Make it a heaven for him. And same for the women. Let him come home and be able to put his head on your chest and just melt. See, let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you women a secret. Praise God. It's for married people, though. Wow, these single girls start laughing. Single people, we had a strong talk this morning, Abby. Aha. Uh -huh. Amen? Where's that brother I used? Just wave to us. That brother is a strong man, oh. Hey, God. I break you from that strong man in Jesus' name. If you didn't get the message, please go back and listen to it. We had a good talk on sex. We had a good talk on what love really is. And it would help you. My fans are healing me. Praise God. I forgot what I wanted to say, but God remind me. Praise God. You see, I want to tell you ladies something. Your man is a secret. So all the men, please just close your ears. Your man is... Thank you. Ladies, I know you adore him. I know he's the man. He's your hero. But he's not perfect. And guess what? He doesn't have it all figured out. So cut him some slack. Don't be expecting and expecting till you push him into the ditch of expectation. My husband should. My husband knows. My husband is. My husband knows. No, he doesn't. Praise God. And your husband will make mistake. Praise God. And you welcome him back into your house without saying, did I not tell you? Amen. So that Mr. Perfect to you is not fully perfect yet. He has some things he hasn't figured out. In this journey of life, baby, do we want to move? Do you, are you are disturbing his life. Make it. He doesn't know. So cut him some slack. Ladies, can we, can we agree? Cut him what? Some slack. Praise God. Have you learned anything this morning?
Amen. How many of us want happy marriages? Healthy marriages? How many of us want to enjoy our homes? I know I do. For one minute, I want us to lift up our hands and say a very sincere prayer this morning. Please rise up on your feet. Whether you are married or not, the best time to prepare for marriage is when you're single. And lift up your hands and begin to ask God. I, I, I ask for grace. God, help me. Help me change. Help me throw away the negative. Help me throw, break the patterns. Help me break away my habits. And give me grace and strength to do the right thing. Dear Jesus, I want you to pray sincerely. Sincerely from your heart. Help me walk in the wisdom of your word today. What I have learned today about covenants. What I have learned about marriage. Oh God, help me. Holy Spirit, when I go off guard one more time, show me, help me. Help me keep my mouth. Oh Lord, help me. Give me grace this morning. Give me grace today. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. I see grace flowing to someone this morning. I sense grace flowing so strongly. Grace for a healthy and a happy marriage. Grace to make the right decisions. Grace for the men to be the men that God called them to be. To lead appropriately. To help their women be the best. Grace for the women. Grace for them. To be the wife of their man that God has asked them to be. Father, we thank you for grace is flowing this morning. Thank you for healing. Thank you, Father, for wisdom. We give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Put your hands together for Jesus. Put your hands together for Jesus and have your seats. We hope you've been blessed by this message. To be a part of any of our programs or services, visit our website www.petrasc.org for our different locations and service times. We'll be happy to have you join our online community. Follow us on our social media handle on YouTube, Facebook and Instagram at Petra Christian Center. You can also reach us via email at correspondent at petracc.org or call us on 070-173-87222. Petra Christian Center, building Jesus communities globally.